I tell y'all something. I think God's messing with me. I really do. <laughs> so anyway, so we go to the Illinois Baptist meeting and um, had a good meeting, by the way. Really did. It was a lot about missions and stuff. And um, so they, this guy gets it there and tells a story about his daddy. His daddy's a deacon. And so the son says to the daddy, he says, so why do you go to the church three times a week? Good question. And so the daddy goes, well, I know that preacher's got one good sermon in him, and I won't be there when he preaches it. <laughs> if you've been waiting for that good sermon, this was my intro, going to be my intro. If you're waiting for that sermon, you know, today's probably not the day. Because um, I got the crud. And so he said, how'd you get the crud? Well, I have my own opinion. So... So I, I am blessed with seven grandchildren, and, and two of them, my oldest granddaughter is named uh, Faith, and my second oldest granddaughter is named Hope. Hope spends the night, Sunday night, you know. And, and this all follows, you know, Sarah leaves, Jennifer comes with her two dogs and two babies. She leaves Sunday afternoon, and Hope comes Sunday night. So like we're grandbaby to the max. And so, so she comes, you know, and she gets up in the morning, and she's got this coffee, sneezy thing going on, you know. And, um, boy, she's got it, whatever it is, you know, and I'm going, you know, I don't want, I don't want to catch this. And so she like gets in my lap, you know, and it's one of those, it's one of those sneezes of biblical proportion. Now, now hope has been, hope has been taught to sneeze in her arm and she may have got her arm up and it got blown out of the way. I don't know. <laughs> Bottom line is it was a full in my face sneeze. And I'm saying, hope don't do that. You know? Now, now, some of you are sitting there right now and you're going, do you honestly think that that sweet, young granddaughter of yours gave you the crud? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I really do. Um, woke up Tuesday morning go out, driving to Springfield and I said, gee, I've got a scratchy throat and it was downhill from there the entire week. And so I was going to tell you how I didn't feel good and all that stuff, you know, all that thing going on. And, and what I'm about to tell you is paranormal. And you may have saw a brother come up and pray for me. And what I'm about to tell you is the truth. Before, he reached up and put his hand on my shoulder. And before he put his hand... You're not going to believe this. Before he put his hand on my shoulder, the coldest air blew past me. I'm not talking about room temperature air. I'm talking about refrigerator air. Just blew past me as he put his hand on my shoulder. And I instantly knew it was the presence of God. How crazy is that? Because I was ready to get up here, let's see if we can get through the sermon today, and go home. And I'm telling you, Brother Tim, wherever you are, that was incredible. I mean, I wish I could, I, I, I never go on, well, maybe it's his body moving. You understand, it wasn't room temperature air. It was cold air. In fact, if you, if you were watching when he came up, I turned like this because some, I thought the storm had blown the door open. That's how it felt. How crazy is that? And then Brother Tyler gets up. And sings the incredible song, To God Be the Glory, because it's great things He has done. It just seems like God's saying, about you, Taylor, anyway. Have you figured that out? <laughs> You're the teeth and the tongue. <laughs> it's me. That's all it is. And then, that's when I said God's messing with me. I picked the video out, and I forgot what the last slide said. In all circumstances, or in all circumstances, give Him thanks. <laughs> so... I guess I'm here today say, amen, God. You're, you may be messing with me, but amen, God. I give you thanks, and I give you honor, and I give you glory. Is God good or what? He really is. He's cool.
He's cool. Amen. All right. Well, again, this may well be a short sermon. Um, Terry, where you are, this may be your day. Okay? Maybe your day, too. Um, we want to take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. A really incredible passage of Scripture about love, about thanks, about to God be the glory. Um, it's about, you know, how can, I, how can I not give thanks? I like the song saying that Tyler so beautifully sang for us, uh, how powerful that is. You know, the, the sermon title is Over the Top Gratitude. Over the Top Gratitude. I asked the church last Sunday night, what would it take for God to wow you? What would it take for God to really just wow you? And, and I want to ask today, and along those same lines, um, what would it take for God to, for you to be over the top thankful for what God has done for you? And I'm hoping today we can express that and, and convey that as we leave our bottom line from Luke chapter 7 and verse number 47. That's the bottom line verse in the scripture I want to share with you today. Now, I hope we can do that. Now, I'm a gusher. First off, you know, um, who's the dude, Pooter, that wrote the, the Five Love Languages? Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. And he said, on his pretext, there's like, there's five things, physical touch and, and a bunch of things, that, that are your love languages, and mine happens to be gifts. I'm pretty sure that it is. And so I'm a natural gusher. You know, for instance, David went to the arch last, I don't know if it's this year. Did y'all go to arch this year or last year? This year. And um, he said, oh, by the way, I brought you something back. Now, you, you probably remember, you know, remember this situation. And so I said, oh, you did. And he goes, yeah. And he had bought me a $3.50 pack. And I think the price was on it. So I know that. Or he told me. I can't remember. <laughs> He's not extravagant, but he does do nice things. Um, but anyway, it was, a, it was a set of coasters. He said, I happened to see these up at the gift shop. And I know you like Civil War stuff and, and you know, old American history. And they've got the flag and all that stuff on them. And I, and I stood up and hugged him. And I said, man, thank you, Dave. That meant so much. Thank you very much. He's probably going, what's up with you, dude? Are your girl jeans coming out or something? You know, what's up? You know? And so uh, it really meant something to me. And this week, um, you know, I got home from work on, vet- on Veterans Day. And there was a package on the counter. And she said somebody brought that by for me. And I opened it up. And um, there were three sets of DVDs in there that dealt with World War II um, and military. And someone had ordered them off the hit. Now, remember now, the guys, you got to remember this. Your wife appreciates when you do things for her. But when you do it ahead of time, it really means a lot. Well, this person had ordered these off the History Channel, which means he had done it before. Okay. And, and then brought them by my house. And, and it was so cool. I've received nicer gifts. But, but the fact that he remembered I was a veteran really meant a whole lot. And I gushed. I called him. And then when I saw him, I hugged him. I'm a hugger. And so, you know... I'm a gusher. And, and I got a feeling, you know, not all of us are gushers. But when it comes to God's amazing grace and what he's done for us, we ought to be. That's a good place for an amen. We ought to be. So we've got a story today, an incredible story, really, um, about an extravagant act of, of grace and gratitude um, toward Jesus Christ. And a guy sitting over here watching it all happen, and he just can't figure it out. And I hope at the end of the message today, if you're out here and, and you just don't get what all the excitement is about Jesus, or you don't get all the excitement about why we should be so um, madly uh, filled with gratitude toward Jesus, I hope today you will by the time we get to the end of the message, all right? So here we go. And this is Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. Now, one of the Pharisees, now you got to remember, this is really weird, okay? I know and you know in today's world, generally speaking, this is a generally speaking statement. 
it's the it's the lost world out there that we would say has animosity toward the church. And generally speaking, we cannot get along, but generally speaking, inside the church and different denominations, even we kind of halfway get along. So the world has animosity toward the church, but inside the church, and even denominationalism, there is some agreement to work together. It's the exact opposite in the time of Jesus. In the time of Jesus, it was the organized religion that wanted nothing to do with him. And yet he would willingly embrace all kinds of sinners. I mean, all kinds, tax collectors, it didn't matter. You know, they liked him. They, they kind of flocked around him. They, they, they wanted to be around him. But the religious leaders not only didn't want to be around him, man, they, they, they hated him. In fact, they ultimately were going to be one of the instruments used in his death. And so it's a Pharisee that, that invites Jesus to dinner. Now, you can bet it wasn't like one of his pals. Now, not all Pharisees were bad, okay? We know Nicodemus wasn't. We know Joseph of Arathea. But bottom line, the Pharisees were bad people uh, toward Jesus. And so this Pharisee uh, invites Jesus over for supper uh, in verse number 36. And he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, just a real quick note. Um, they had a low table, probably about that far off the table. They had a low table. And you would lean with your left arm because you don't eat with your left hand. Your left arm would be used to hold you up, and then you would eat with your right hand like this. And your feet would stick out perpendicular away from, from the table. Okay, so you'd be leaning out, reclining like this. So that's the scene that we have set up. So, so these men are all around, and it probably, probably the best way to understand this would be like a pavilion, like the park pavilions where it's open, because people were allowed to come in and listen to the conversation. Hey, maybe even get a scrap or two. Okay, maybe you can get a scrap or two. Didn't matter. Okay, so, so you're allowed to come around and talk and visit. Because that sets up what's next. The Bible says in verse 37, Behold a woman. Now, this is really important. A woman of the city who was a sinner. Okay, now, most theologians agree. I mean, there, it doesn't say it directly. But when you have a woman and she's a sinner, she's a prostitute. Okay, so here's a woman who comes into this Pharisee's house. Now, again, understanding it's weird because, one, she's a woman, and two, she's a prostitute, but it was socially acceptable for at least a stranger to walk into the situation. Not a woman, not a prostitute, but for a person to come in. And so this woman comes in. Now, here's the question. We're going to assume, and I think it's a safe assumption, that, in fact, she was a sinner, she was a prostitute, she had a reputation. Um, have you all remember, now, now, you young people, you will not remember this. Okay, this is way before your time. But back a long time ago, when music was really music, the 60s and 70s, okay, there was a thing called cassette tapes. Y'all remember those? Yeah, look at there. All old people raise their hands up. That's right. Okay, then, do you remember this commercial? It was for Memorex. And it would say, is it real or is it Memorex? Is it live or is it Memorex? And the, and the idea was... The quality of the tape was so good, it rivaled live performances. Was it real or was it Memorex? Okay. How do y'all remember this? Does she or doesn't she? Miss Clairol. Now, come on now. Y'all are friends with Miss Clairol. Don't give me that look. Y'all are friends with Miss Clairol. We men just hadn't figured out to do it very well. We would be friends with Mr. Clairol. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work as good. Okay. But yeah, does she or doesn't she? Use Miss Clairol. Well, I think the question might be here, is she or was she? Is she or was she? In other words, is she a prostitute still and is about to be introduced to God's grace at the table? 
or was she? And that what we see here is an act of gratitude, not for what Jesus is about to do, but for what Jesus has already done. I line up in the second camp. I think she already has met Jesus Christ. There's been a turning point. There's been a repentance. Okay, and this is a this is an affirmation, an explanation point on that faith. But I believe she already. So we would say that she was a former prostitute. It really doesn't change anything. It doesn't really change anything. But again, grammatically and in the context, if you'll you'll hear the wording after a while in a few in a few moments. But it just lines up that she had was a prostitute and that she heard the teachings of Jesus and turned to Jesus Christ in repentance of her sins. All right. It's very, very, very important. So here we go. I didn't realize it, but where, I thought I heard David's voice over there. Where's David at? There you are. Hey, but may I just echo it over there? So here we go. One of the Pharisees asked him, I'm telling you, it's a weird day. I'm on drugs anyway. I mean, I've got a lot of alcohol, so cold plus in me. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman who was a prostitute, past tense, we're going to take that, that stance, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. So the whole point of the woman coming was who? Jesus. She wasn't a party crasher. She wasn't just showing up to show up. She had heard Jesus was there. And again, I believe it was Jesus who changed her life so radically. Here we go. The Bible says that she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, this is very, very, very expensive perfume. We learned from another incident um, that it could be like 300 denarii, about a year's wage. A denarii was a year's wage. So this probably this probably was a year's savings, perhaps a life savings for this woman. So she brought this alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, remember they're sticking out at the angle there, weeping. And why is she weeping? These are tears of gratitude. Come on now. We need to learn to cry again. These are tears of gratitude. These are tears of joy. These are tears. I think the sorrow part's over. She's overwhelmed. And, you know, it's, it's a song that Tyler sang. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. She can't get over what Jesus Christ has done. And by the way, here's a free one. When we get over what God has done, it's time that we need to repent. It's time that we need to repent. So, so she's weeping and she begins to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So it's a beautiful picture of worship. It's a beautiful picture of gratitude. It's a beautiful picture of love. Uh, the woman comes. She begins crying. And perhaps that is what, what called attention to her. Perhaps she's able to kind of sneak into the room. But she broke the flask and begins pouring the ointment. And the fragrance of the, of the room is changed. Listen, listen, listen. The fragrance of the room is changed by her worship by her worship i mean things listen even an old hard pharisee's heart worship a house worship can take place worship can take place and so the fragrance mills up and they hear this woman sobbing quietly and tears are falling and for a woman by the way a woman to let her hair down in public was a great disgrace in fact it was a sign of a prostitute so she lets her hair down and begins washing the feet of jesus were their hair. What a wonderful picture of Jesus. What a wonderful picture of love. What a wonderful picture of grace. Now, the incredible part is, is this woman's circumstances had not changed. Apparently, um, as we're going to see in just a moment, she still had that reputation to deal with. But, but here we see her just overwhelmed with what God had done. And what God had done... Is forgive her sins. Forgive her sin. Just like he's forgiven 
our sin if we know Jesus Christ as Savior. Can I have an amen? So, so, so here's what happens. Now, the Pharisee, verse number 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. Now, what's some of his take? Remember, he's over here. He's, he don't think he's invited Jesus to be old buddies with him. He's there to set him up or something. All right. So he, when he sees this, he says this to himself. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. So he instantly makes an accusation, a thought against Jesus who said this. Okay, I have my doubts about this rabbi. I have my doubts about who he was and who he claimed to be. They're solidified now. My doubts are solidified. Because if he were a prophet, he would have known that this person who's touching him is a sinner. And he never would have allowed that to happen. Oh, contraire, Pierre. No. See, Jesus... Came for sinners. Jesus loved sinners. We already heard. The reason sinners love to be around Jesus. Is because Jesus loved to be around sinners. He, he missed the point totally. He's saying if this man were a prophet. Oh he is a prophet sir. In fact he does know. Who she is. And he does know what manner of woman she is. And he does know that she. Is a sinner. But that doesn't change anything with Jesus. Church, when are we going to get a hold of this? When are we going to get a hold of this? When are we going to understand that we should concern ourselves less about who and what they are when they come here? Because they come here, they're coming looking for God. And that is what we should be about is God, grace, and introducing people to that amazing grace. It doesn't matter... It, it doesn't matter the clothes. It doesn't matter the skin color. It doesn't matter. Any of that matters. We could go down a huge list of things that we'd be quick to point. The tattoo issue. The piercings issue. You know, how they smell. I want to tell you something very clearly. And you know I'm right. In case you're pushing back. You know I'm right. If Jesus walked the streets of, of the 21st century in 2013 America, you would find him on skid row with the drunks and the drugs attitudes and the pimps and the prostitutes. You'd find him with the tattooed and the pierced people because he came to seek and to save sinners. You would not find him around churches filled with people who think they have no need of a savior. It's incredible. It's incredible. So the Bible says that Jesus could read his mind. Simon wasn't that smart. And Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered and said this. Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not repay, let's stop there. So we have two in this story that Jesus is making up. We have two debtors. One person owes him a year and a half of wages. The other owes him about a year and two-thirds of a month in wages. So we have one who owes a year and a half, one who's a month and a half. Let's just make these a month and a half of wages. And he chooses to forgive both of them. Now, do you understand something? The point is not the amount of the debt. The point is they could not pay that debt. 
I don't know how you see yourself today. I don't know how you see yourself. If you're here today and you are an outs- you have not, you have, outside of God's grace, you've not received Jesus Christ as your Savior. I don't know that. Or perhaps you've trusted Christ and you're looking back on the day you trusted Jesus. Would you call yourself a 500 denarii sinner? Or would you call yourself a 50 denarii sinner? The fact is it doesn't matter because neither one could repay the debt. Whether you call yourself, man, I've got a, I've got a charge sheet a mile long with God and sin. Or whether your charge sheet in your eyes would be very small, it doesn't matter. Because you're a sinner, you are separated from God. And you could do nothing about that. Here's one of those things that popped into my mind this morning as I was studying. It's not a sins problem. It's a sin problem. That's pretty profound. You need to write that down. Because we, we somehow say it's a sins problem. Okay? So it takes more of God's grace if, you're, if your sin list is long than if your sin list is short. No. The problem is sin. Sin, not sins. Sin. Yes, one drop of blood would have been enough. He spilled his blood. But one drop. And God's grace is sufficient for our sins. I love a story Andy Stanley tells. He said he's always the kind of guy who gets to the airport on time. Always. And one day the guy was late picking him up. And so he's running to the gate, realizing he's going to be late. And just as he gets like 50 yards from the gate, the door closes. He can see the airplane on the outside. The woman's still staying on this side of the door. So he walks up and says, can I get on the plane? No, you cannot. Why can't I get on the plane? Because once the door closes, we cannot reopen it. But I can see the plane. I understand that. But once the door is closed, you can't get on the plane. And then he said about that time, about three minutes later, another lady showed up. And they continued. to like, like six people in line. Fifteen minutes later, people going, we want to get on the plane. We want to get on the plane. And he asked this question. How many got on the plane? None. The door was closed. Whether you're one minute late or 20 minutes late, the door was closed. And each one of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then it says Romans, uh, Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. We have no bargaining chips to bring to God. It's got to be a matter of His grace. They could not save themselves. Now, the problem here, and you've already picked up, you're all such good Bible students. You already picked up that the 500 denarii person is the prostitute lady and the 50 denarii person is Simon in his eyes. The problem with Simon, he doesn't even see himself as a 50 denarii sinner. He doesn't even see himself as in need of a savior. In the story, in the parable, both are forgiven. But Simon doesn't even see any need. So he walks away you know, with nothing, bankrupt. So he said, so Jesus says then, so let me ask you a question. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one I suppose, you can almost hear the reluctance in that, because he's picking up on the story. The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said, you, you just right. Now, here's what I want you to get. It takes no more grace to save moral Brent Holloway than it does a drug addict down Skid Row. God's grace is sufficient. Say amen. God's grace is sufficient. 
It doesn't matter if you're looking here today and you look at yourself, you say, Dwayne, I never smoked, drank or cussed. I go to church three times a week. However you measure yourself without the grace of God in your life, you're going to split hell wide open. Because it is only the grace of God that can bring forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. Only the grace of God. Nothing else. Nothing else. An American culture that is so hard to nail down. You know, Will Acosta spoke and I was in my office not doing so well, but he talked about idols. We don't talk a lot about idols in America. I love Will. When we went to that vision tour in East St. Louis and St. Louis, the question that the pastor had for the church planner was, what idols do people wrestle with in East St. Louis? What, what idols do people wrestle with? We need to reintroduce the word idol into our lives. Because like you said, there are many idols in people's lives today. We have many things we worship today. America needs the grace of God because we are a polytheistic society that worships many, many gods. Amen? It really is. Okay, so, you're done writing now. Now, now, watch this. Verse number 44. So he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. Now, these are all customs. Simon wasn't necessarily wrong in not doing these things, but he was certainly rude. Okay, you see this woman, when I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. Customary was that a slave would wash the person's feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and then wiped them with her hair, Simon. Now, you gave me no kiss. And that was, again, a male greeting then, those times, was a customary kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, But she has anointed my feet with ointment. You you didn't pour olive, common olive oil on my head. But but she has anointed me with perfume. Now watch this. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many. Now, does he gloss over sin? Does he say, you know, she really was a nice person. She just had to be a prostitute. No. He says, her sins, which are many. Are forgiven. For she loved much. Now don't let that word for throw you. Because you might be tempted. To say the reason her sins were forgiven. Was because she was grateful. The reason she was forgiven. Because of the extravagant gift. And you'd be totally wrong. Okay. Much clearer translation would be. As evidenced by her love. Now, let me read to you that way. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven as evidenced by her love. Now, again, not one commentary, every commentary. Don't walk out of the room thinking that you can gain God's favor by pouring some perfume on the feet of Jesus or or by wiping his feet with your hair. You can't. Or loving him. Favor is gained by... Say it with me. Favor is gained by grace. Say it with me. Grace. That's all. That's all we can claim. That's all we can plead. It's amazing, amazing, wonderful grace. Now, the principle I said, the bottom line is this. But he who is forgiven little, forgives little. Let's read the whole thing in context again. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, as evidenced by her love. You don't mind me changing that. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Now, here's the deal. It takes the same amount of grace to save a person. Okay? If we have this long charge sheet as we see it, or a short charge sheet, God's grace is the only way to be forgiven. 
God's amazing grace. But the bottom line is this. When you receive a gift, and there's a lot of thoughtfulness behind it, you are more grateful for that. If you receive a gift, and it costs a person an exorbitant amount of money, you're more appreciative of that. Okay? We are more appreciative of the gift when you understand the cost of it. That is one of the major teachings here. The problem is this. We think, Mags, we have a tendency to think, if we go to church all the time, I've been a Christian, I wear the right clothes, I know the right lingo, we have a tendency to think that, hey, you know, God, I'll be thankful that I'm on the team. You know, that God will be grateful that, that I'm, on, I'm in church. That, hey, how could the church get along without me teaching a Sunday school class? How could the church get along without me being the pastor? How could the church get along without David being the youth guy? You know, whoops. Went this and said David. Brent being the youth guy and David the worship guy. I'm on drugs. Can you imagine how it's going over on the radio? Do you get it? Do you get it? When we understand that God has saved us from a Christless hell, how many sins would send you to hell? How many, Judy? One sin. In fact, Paul wrote and said that when you've offended one point of the law, you're guilty in all. So one sin would keep you from hell. It wouldn't. Listen, one sin won't get you just inside the gate. One sin will cause you to be eternally separated from Christ. That means every one of us have a lot to be thankful for. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of God's amazing grace and our willingness to exercise faith and believe in that, we are not going to hell. We're going to heaven. We got a lot to be thankful for. Come on now. That's the time to clap. That's the time to clap. See, we all got so much to be thankful for when we understand what he's done for us. Her sins, which are many, and believe me, some of us may have not had certain habits, but we have plenty of sin charged up. And here's the deal. When you lose perspective of that, you lose gratitude. When you lose perspective... Of what God has done for you and how he's forgiven you and how you'll never go to hell because of the grace of Jesus Christ. When you when you lose perspective of that and you start thinking again how really not bad you are. We lose gratitude. We become religious. We becoming we become satisfied in keeping rules and not our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is so Dangerous, so unfulfilling, and so unbiblical. (laughs) So unbiblical. Now watch this. So he said to her, this this is simply a public affirmation which already occurred. Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were able, who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And I love this because Jesus even ignores it. He didn't even address it. Okay? He simply looks back at the woman and says this. I love this. And he said to the woman, Your love has saved you. No? Hang on. Hang on. We're going to try again. That really nice bottle of perfume saved you. What saved her? Your faith has saved you. Don't you love the theology of Jesus? He made it so clear for us. He didn't want us to be confused. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. What can we boast in? Nothing. It's all him. And because it's all him, and because we're going to spend eternity in heaven, and because of him, there'll be a place of no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, and no tears, and no night and darkness. There'll be no cancer. There'll be no separation. Because of him, here we can be so grateful. So grateful. Now, he says these last words, he says to the lady, these three words, were something I guarantee you, he, she did not know. Go in peace. Woo! Isn't that good? What kind of, what kind of, what, what do you think the Pharisee thought of this woman? You kind of got a very good picture. Judgment, judgment, condemnation. Jesus says, you go in peace. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't matter what the community says about you, what the church says about you, what the synagogue says about you, what the Pharisee says about you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And that is an invitation that he extends to every person here today. And there's only two kinds of people here. There are people who understand that and have already said yes to Jesus Christ. And there's people who have yet to do that. If you're here today and you've trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, your bottom line is this. You should live a heart, a life full of gratitude, not for what God's going to do for you, but what he already has done. And by the way, freebie, freebie, freebie. If we get this and apply this, all those things that we think matter, don't. Don't. I mean... You know, the present thing at Christmas is a cool thing because I like gifts. But let's just be honest. If on Christmas Eve, Pooter gives me the most incredible gift ever, and I'm not even sure what that would be, probably her. <laughs> Cha-ching! <laughs> Christmas morning, as far as gifts go, don't, don't bring, bring Jesus. As far as Christmas morning goes in the gifts, if you've got the best gift on Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. Hey, he's already given us the greatest gift. It's eternal life. The rest doesn't matter. Amen? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I, I close this with a psalm. I found Psalm 30, verses 11 and 12. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Would it be weird to close this service with applause? Come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads right there. God is so wonderful. He really is. Let me talk to my friends who have already trusted Jesus today. You would be the one where Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Grasp that. God hasn't not, he doesn't have to do anything else for you than that. It's enough to live in gratitude all the days of our lives and clear into eternity. To God be, Tyler's song again, to God be the glory, great things he has done. So our bottom line is to leave with a heart filled with gratitude today. Over the top Gratitude. It'll impact our giving. It'll impact our serving. It'll impact our attitudes and our actions and our habits and our lifestyles. It impacts it all uh, as we think about over-the-top gratitude. And if you're here today, 
and, and you've never experienced God's grace. Now, there's a world of difference between church and, and grace. I mean, a world of difference, a universe of difference. You know, God wants to forgive your sins today. You know, the bottom line is, you heard the scripture, that each person here is a sinner. I mean, you're in good company. If you're a sinner, you're in good company because all of us are here today. We've all sinned. And the way God wants to bring you into fellowship with him, because he's holy and you're not, is to forgive those sins by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. When he spilled his blood and died, it paid the price for your sin. He endured the wrath of God over sin for you. That's what it's all about. It's not about behaviors and rules. It's about what God has already done and wants to do in your life. Let me close that like most famous verse. For God does so love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That woman's life, imagine the scorn she felt as she went to Walmart. People looked down and looked, there goes the prostitute. She was free from that. Be at peace. And whatever baggage you've got in your life, God wants to take that baggage away. He wants to write you a new past and a new future by his amazing grace. My friend, Brother Brent, will be standing right down front here, and I'll be here also. And we would love to tell you how you can experience God's grace today. It's why we do what we do every week. Because we think it's an incredible thing that God would love us that much to extend that kind of grace to us. And we want you to experience it too. Let's pray together. Well, Father, you were really good today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for amazing grace. Thank you for amazing grace. Thank you for leading Luke to write a story about a prostitute who met your son, Jesus Christ, and was so radically changed. And the way he wrote it teaches us about how we should be grateful, how we should have over-the-top gratitude for what you've done. Thank you that your grace really is sufficient. And Father, as we enter this wonderful time of the year, the Thanksgiving season, the Christmas season, and going into a brand new year, help us, Father, in every way that we can to, ex- to express over-the-top gratitude for the one who really is worthy, and that's Jesus Christ. So we pray for that. My friend here today who's looking, actually you're looking for him or her, They just don't know that yet. But perhaps you're pulling them. Something today made sense. Something today made sense. Would you ask them, lead them down this aisle and take Brent by the hand and say, okay, I don't understand all of it, but I want to know more about this amazing grace I heard about today. And give them the new life, the new peace, just like you did the lady in the story. So have your way in this service today, Jesus. And I pray in your precious name. Amen.